happens. Um, one thing I noticed just now as I'm pulling up the IMDB page and uh, for both movies, I know they're 10 years apart. However, we are breaking our one rule. Whoa. Hannibal was made in 2001. Well, we're not talking about Hannibal. Why the hell did I watch Hannibal? I don't know why you I watched, watched Hannibal. Hannibal. Oh, at least you get more. You <laughs> you be more informed. Wait, so you got super perspective. There I you mean, go. That's you, good. You just did your research. That's all. What's going on, folks? This is a nerdy bunch presentation of Back to the Future podcast, where this week we're talking about uh, Silence of the Lambs, and I'm here with my two co-hosts, Mike, Rock hey. Mike. <laughs> How you doing today, Rock Mike? Doing splendid. How are you? <laughs> good, good. And uh, I got my other co-host, English Dave. What's going on, English what's, Dave? What's up? What's up? It's cool being a co-host. But it's it cool like... not having to do that intro. That was tough, man. <laughs> but I made it. I survived. Yeah, I'll, give, I'll, give you, I'll give you a six out of ten. Yeah, it happened. So I got at least a five. <laughs> yeah, but uh, this week... And there's, doing... and there's Chewy. There is yes. Chewy. Unfortunately, right now, it's going to be trying <laughs> to make all the distractions for until he passes out. He will pass out very... hard in like ten minutes. I guarantee you. <laughs> sure, he's going to be very entire Silence of the Lambs podcast. Either that, or it might just put him to sleep, which is perfect. Either way. Um, all right, so back to the feature, Silence of the Lambs this week. So let's talk about the synopsis. Silence of the Lambs synopsis. A young FBI cadet must receive the help of an incarcerated and manipulative cannibal killer to help catch another serial killer, a madman who skins his victims. The movie came out in 1991. The director is Jonathan Demi. Demi. Yes! Demi. 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 Right today. Yay. Uh, he also directed Philadelphia, Manchurian Candidate, and first uh, season or two of The Killing, which makes oh, a lot I, of sense I, in hindsight. I did not know that he did The Killing. Yeah. yeah I mean, I it makes know. sense, though. I feel like it if does. He can kill people on screen. We back know on this. The Killing, it's like the same tone. Good at this. Yeah, like, the they time. can exist in the same world. Yeah. Hannibal Lecter is probably their Just neighbor. a different case or a different case within Hannibal the same Hannibal Lecter universe. totally lives in the same town. <laughs> the Killing <laughs> so it's I the totally it. shared universe that they're going to create soon. Exactly. Yeah. He's just another villain in, in the universe. And uh all right, so Dave, how about Oh you? by What's the way your... guys, sorry, mm-hmm. just for the listeners to know, no, that is not a twelve year old boy that's Raven talking as the host. Just to make sure. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so my voice is shot. I'm actually a female. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I don't think I said that part either. I'm your host, Raven. You have to announce your gender every time now. This is Raven. Tell girl. Raven. Hello. I identify as female. Um, (laughs) And you were born as such, too. I was born as such, too. Um, Yeah, so, Dave, tell us, uh, what's your history with Silence of the Lambs? Have you seen this movie before? And if so, what was your uh, feelings on this movie going in? Um. This is a movie that we I think we've spoken off podcast that I thought I had watched, but probably I haven't clearly hadn't watched properly. Or if I'd watched it, it was because I'd seen clips here and there, or I don't know, maybe I was too young to pay attention to certain Spoof things because scenes. Yeah, you know, you know, it's one of those things where 
because it's such a famous movie that's been spoofed so many times or other people have taken ideas from it you don't know if it's do I know these things from the spoofs or do I know it from the original like we've spoken about with Ace Ventura and and Cliffhanger you know like so it's one of those movies that if I had watched it I didn't pay as much attention to it as I did when I watched it again I like that I like that Rocket Mike what about you? Um this was also a similar experience where I thought I had watched it all the way through too. And it's always this it's always these movies. It's always 20 years older where you've seen it. You could have sworn you've seen it five times, but it's always yeah. probably on TV and there's a commercial <laughs> break and then you're like, mm, "Did I miss a part? Who cares? It's this is kind of wraps up. You understand the basic synopsis of these movies." But it's it's hard to miss all of these little moments from Hannibal and uh, the relationship between uh, Clarice and you know Doctor Hannibal. So it's those are the only ones that really kind of stuck out yeah. from what I remember from tw- over twenty maybe over twenty years ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we all we all went to film school in some way or form. Uh, did you guys have to study this film in? in school at all because I know like I, I did for certain scenes they're very specific scenes like the interrogation scene we kind of had to watch you know just to just for cinematography and directing purposes this very you know very iconic scene so did you guys kind of have to watch scenes going on like is that another reason maybe that you like didn't see the whole thing yeah uh, I mean I think I learned how to kind of break down films better from from school but uh, yeah, not notes or pros. I can just say I watch movies really well and pay attention. That's all it takes, really. But <laughs> uh, yeah, I had to study some film. Unfortunately, this did not fall into the list. But you know, it's, it's reasons for that, and it's reasons for this podcast that we go back into these movies that would normally we would probably just put on a shelf and forget about because we're always focus on what's the latest newest movie which is all very good we still we need to know that but you know we don't get enough recognition from these old movies and nor would, they would probably have passed all of us by had we not had this kind of you know drive to see all these so um i hope this encourages others to do the same i was thinking it's one of those movies where um we all know it's good right everybody knows salas and lambs it's a good movie and I think everyone's first reaction is it's good because of Anthony Hopkins and Jodie Foster's performance. And that's where you leave it at. But you don't realize until watching it properly with, you know, and paying attention that it's good for many more reasons mm. beyond just their performances. You know, it's, it's such a layered movie and the detail of characters and the moments and the scenes and the shoot. You know, it's, it's, it's I mean, we can go into it. It's one of those movies that has won. It kind of won the, the, the holy grail of Oscars, right? Like every yeah. single, every popular it won category. Six, five. And one five. Best, uh, I think, best lead actor, which was Jodie Foster, um, best supporting, which, yeah, was Anthony Hopkins. Then it won best directing, best film, and I want to say best screenplay. I have it written somewhere, so I'll know the got, actual got edit- fact before you got the editing. It got editing oh, edit- as well. Was it yep. six? It um, got best editing, got best sound as well. There we go. Best and writing, best directing, actor, actress, yeah. picture. Those are the yeah. Just yeah. So was that oh. six? Best Basically sound and best suite. film editing were nominated. 
Yeah, so oh, basi- okay, okay. So basically, it, it's just the best five. Yeah. yeah, and it was one of the only films. It still is one of the only films to do so. And uh, on that note, so once you did see the film, uh, Dave, what do you think about the story? I thought the story is absolutely fantastic. Um, I don't know how many films like that had come beforehand, but I think, as far as I, I think, it's one of those first films where, or one of those few, few famous films where a lead character needs help from a villain to catch another villain. Mm. Yeah, and, and, and in a weird way, the villain that you're getting help from is scarier than the villain you're trying to catch. Yeah, That's why the villain you're trying to get help from is in prison, you know? And so I think yeah. that narrative of having of the two of the characters and then also with, with uh, in the narrative, Jodie Foster's character being like a, a newbie, you know, she's a new, she's kind of, she's still kind of a recruit at this point. Yeah, yeah, she's a cadet. She's not even in the FBI. She's a trainee. So it's like this newbie. What a show! You know that is a lot. Training is intense. (laughs) I think that's a great. I think that's a great uh, plot to start off with. You know, because it's really interesting where you have this newbie and this like criminal mastermind. You know, Mm -hmm. who's 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 been doing it for we assume for a while. He knows what he's doing versus this person trying to get into the game and the two of them working together. And, and I think, you know, it's one of those movies that the story is brilliant. I thought it was really, really well done. And I was never taken away from it. And it's one, mm-hmm. again, and it's telling multiple stories because you've got the overall, okay, we've got to catch this thief, but it's also a relationship between the two people working together. But then you also get almost the narrative of what the, 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 the murderer is doing as well. You kind of get to know yeah, that Yeah, you get Buffalo Bill's story. Yeah. You also get um, the story of the doctor. You know, Hannibal's doctor, because you you know his goals and, you know, where he's trying to get to him screwing everybody over. And it was cool because everybody did, like you said, had their own stories. And that is, you know, something that comes from great writing. You know, Uh, Mike, what do you think about the overall story that is Silence of the Lambs? It's terrifying, but (laughs) it's also you can tell that it has been made from a book just based on the writing. Uh, yeah, I feel definitely. like most mm. movies based on books, whether they you know hit the mark or not, always have a more palpable plot. You know, it's they really mm. dig deep into how the characters are interacting with each other, rather than it just moving the story forward. This really focused on, uh, like, while we do have the investigation into Buffalo Bill, I feel like that's not necessarily what all of the movie is about you have this perfect not perfect chemistry but almost in that way between uh, Jodie Foster and Anthony Hopkins and it's mm-hmm. more I was more interested in watching them than her investigation into this other serial killer I wanted yeah. to know more about Anthony Hopkins character because you've just never seen some someone so you know, just enticing and mm-hmm malicious at the same time like they're very charming and you feel like you can trust him but it's underneath these thinking of ways to peel your face off of you, you know your skin off your and face he bites off someone's face yeah <laughs> <laughs> but then he can also like talk you talk you into killing yourself in weird ways because yeah uh i went and watched the sequel which took place just a few years afterwards but it was really filmed 10 years after this um he still does it. He's still telling people <laughs> how to fuck themselves up. Wow. Inception. He's got powers of Inception. That's a rare skill. 
the power of <laughs> he just finds the moment because uh, it was all circumstantial you know like at the yeah. end of Hannibal which this is already 20 years but I don't know if we'll ever get to that he's got I don't know if you remember the there's one character he's basically has in a wheelchair who turns out to be somewhat of the villain at the end not sort of yes and no it's weird um, in what movie? from Hannibal Anyway, he tells him how to kill his master in just the perfect timing. He's like, why don't you just throw him over and let the pigs eat him? You could say it was (laughs) me. And he's like, oh, okay. And just kind of like lets it happen. Yeah, it's amazing. But that's the thing, you know, what were you saying, Dave? I was going to say, just bringing up the point when Mike said about um, it's based on a book in terms of the narrative. I was reading somewhere that it's one of those rare movies, though, that's because we get a lot of, of adaptations that change things and tweak things. But it's one of those rare movies that's almost exactly verbatim to the book, even down to the dialogue. Yeah, I thought they changed the dialogue. I was watching this video that shows that even the character dialogue and character beats and moments are very specific in the book, that they rarely changed anything from um, adapting book to film. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, with that being said, you know, as great as the book might have been and the screen adaptation, the execution, you know, comes down to the director. Let's talk about that directing. Uh, I personally thought, just in terms of direction, this movie was done so well. Because there's certain things that, obviously, you can't do in a book. You can't show what somebody's thinking, mm. you know? And there are hard ways, you know, it's really difficult to kind of show character motivation from a book in terms of, you know, what what is this character like? What do they love? Whatever. Because you don't get that voice in their head. You don't get the written, you know, this is what they're thinking bubble, you know? So I felt like in terms of directing, we got we we were able to see every character's motivations uh, in a great way and in, in a short way, too. You know, like we would get a two minute scene with a certain character and instantly we're like, OK, I know this person, you know, Jodie Foster's character, even though I thought it was boring, you know, the opening like three whole minutes of her just running. It did explain a lot, though, about her character, about her endurance, about her strength, you know, which later we end up seeing throughout the film that comes back. So, uh, Dave, what do you think about the directing, Jonathan Demi? Um, I thought this was fantastically directed. Uh, and I'm going to also lob in some of the cinematography in this, because I think it's also one of those movies where the directing and cinematography perfectly hand in hand. I was also going to say that the, the cinematography in this movie is what, absolutely what was the amazing. cinematographer's name? Uh, um, the cinematographer's name is Tak Fujimo. Yeah, Tak Fujima. Didn't he work on like Star Wars and some stuff like that? Yep, he did uh, The Sixth Sense, Star Wars, A New Hope, Ferris Bueller, which is pretty oh, random. Ferris Bueller, interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I thought I thought the directing was really well done. Like I like you said, it's very hard to to show what characters are thinking in in, in film because it's show not tell. But this does a great job from little things like how it's shot, like how it's framed. We get some frames where the characters are directly looking at the screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which makes real... the audience uncomfortable. Yes, it makes you uncomfortable, and he, it's almost like you're in their head as they're talking. And even there's scenes where Hannibal's talking to Clarice, but we're not looking at him, we're looking at her, panning in on her face. So it's almost like she's thinking about the words he's saying, and you're very much aware of that. You know, a lot of films do that in subtle ways, and it works, but this does it in a way that you are aware, you feel you're, you're with them. You know, you rarely get wide shots in this yeah, film, in, no, in, in really the dialogue don't. scenes. It's all very intimate. I was intimate say and that close too. up. The only wide shots are kind of establishing shots of a whole scene. Mm. And then from there, like, boom, and we're going in. You know, yeah. you really get, like, just wide shots where there's a lot happening. 
but it's not one of those films that's like okay i'm gonna do these pretty shots or these nice shots for the sake of it it's always to serve the narrative you know Every one of my favorite has the story yeah mm. one of my favorite scenes is that the first time she's walking up to see him we start off you know with with the guards telling her this guy is super you know you have to be watch out for this guy super dangerous and then she's walking up and we're walking with her and we're seeing all the other inmates i was freaking out because all the it's other inmates moment. are nuts we ain't even get yeah. to this guy yet you know? <laughs> and so it scares you and you there's a, there's a feeling of tension you know the movie mm. moves slow but it isn't slow and i think that's that's no, a, a testament to the director i thought it was really well done definitely mike uh Rockamai, what about you oh i wanted to keep going off of that actually because obviously yes the cinematography and the directing go hand in hand but it was that was also probably the most important uh scene in there uh aside mm. from the ending was that walk down the hall because you see all these for one everyone's already in the classic bard uh cell and it mm. looks you think oh this guy's going to be just a literal monster crazy hair mm. crazy beard he's got some like scars or something like that and then you reach the end and it, you're in a completely different environment a glass cell um he's already standing upright while everyone's either like laying down or you know has her hands up against the bars he looks perfectly still smiling and then you think oh how can he be this monster but really afterwards you watch it back and it's like yeah he is not just a bad guy like all of these others that you just saw before you you know he is on a master level he deserves the muzzle that we know him for (laughs) like he probably has the most dangerous mouth out of any villain we've ever seen you know he's he got his uh you know phd in serial killing so yeah. it's and he really wears that really well you forget that sometimes yeah. you know oh yeah yeah he's he's done his homework he has oh, yeah. done his work to get where he is everyone else is probably just uh you know a, a passion killer you know they don't they didn't think it through clearly they are in jail now he probably did for a lot of this and it was just only after a while that he did get caught but mm-hmm. obviously he got himself out and so yeah he's, he's he's a mastermind i think that's also so interesting that shot though that you know you see the other guys the other characters like you said you're scared of them but when you see him it's also welcoming like, it, it's it's almost like he seduces you from the very first it moment is because it's a nice break you're like oh thank god i got away from those crazy criminals you know it's like yes all right welcome we are the normal yeah. ones here and, and yeah, so like a seat. and i think all that for me all that leads to something cool because you know, one thing we hate in movies, Raven and I specifically, we hate characters that make stupid decisions. We right? hate that so much. In because, hindsight. Like, sometimes you can tell because, like, I hate it when characters make stupid decisions for the sake of moving along the plot. Yes, like, you shouldn't yes. need that, you know? Whereas, whereas, even though leading up to this, not five minutes ago, she was told, don't cross that line. Don't do this. Don't do this. As soon as she gets there, she does everything she's not supposed to. Oh yeah. We're like, come on. But but the the thing is, but the thing is, when you're watching it, we don't think she's being stupid. Because we're like, yeah, we we didn't even notice. (laughs) Like, if she passed the line, who cares if she's passed the line? It's like, I was like, what line? (laughs) There's a line where. Oh, that line. Get talk to this guy. This old guy. He needs some company. Talk Where to am him. I? Tell He's him just it. been Tell a him dream. He's just lonely. <laughs> <laughs> and a uh, fun fact about that too, it was actually Anthony, Sir Anthony Hopkins' idea 
to be in all white as an inmate because he felt it would be more eerie and scary for people because he had a serious fear of dentists. And he felt like the creepy thing about dentists was that they were all white, you know, and they had all their tools. So that was kind of his idea. And looking back, it's like when you watch the film, something about somebody that scarier, that, you know, bad, wearing all white is really jarring. You know, it's really uncomfortable because white is supposed to be this color of purity, mm. and you know, which makes us feel comfortable. You know, we look and we're like, oh, this, this is probably a nice cat. You wouldn't put him in a white jumpsuit, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and then another reason afterwards when you see yeah. it, like, oh, wow, he's he's just a clean, cold-blooded killer, you know? I, and uh, I love the idea that Hannibal Lecter is afraid of dentists. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I just like, I really? Just, dentist, I just like that. But even though he's a doctor, like scalpel and all that. But it also makes sense, too, because, you know, he is a doctor. And I feel like something about just having that white jumpsuit on in his portrayal did instantly make you feel like this is a doctor. You know, like I fully believed he that was too. a doctor. I feel yeah. like mm. I feel like I've seen things before. We've all watched stuff before where we're seeing somebody that is now retired from whatever business that might be. But they spend the whole movie telling us this is what I do. This is what I do. I'm, like, I'm uh, an inventor. I'm an engineer. I'm, a, I'm an inventor. Yeah, I'm an inventor. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. With Transformers. Um, yeah, Transformers. Book. I'm an inventor. You know, you spend a whole movie telling us what you used to do, but we never really believe it, you know, based on what we see. And I'll honestly say that they did a great job of, you know, directing-wise uh, and, and even wardrobe, you know. I think they did a great job of making us believe that, you know this this character is not only a serial killer but also very intelligent also a doctor and uh you know also that says something to sir anthony hopkins acting which we're gonna have to touch on it why not now uh, <laughs> mike what do you think about sir anthony hopkins acting even though i know i barely even have to ask this question go for it so i'm barely gonna <laughs> answer it it was good it was, it was, it was really good. I think we all know why. <laughs> yep. There's a statue yep. that he won for it. You've seen it. It's, it's the choices that he made. Like, what, like, you know, someone that committed deserves it. He went above yeah. and said, "I'm afraid of Dennis. Let's dress me up that way." Uh, I what's up? What's creepy? Uh, I got a friend who, whenever he talks to us, never blinks, and it always freaks us out. I'm going to use that too. You know, I'm always going to have, you know, uh, an alternative motive in my mind, you know, thinking of ways to kill you while I'm just having a conversation, which is why I'm always smiling. Because he's he's funny enough, Anthony Hopkins was the Clarice in real life because he actually sat with criminals and like went to prison. Oh, yeah, I bet he did. How (laughs) he really observed how serial killers communicated. You know, I'm sure he looked to certain you know serial killers like ted bundy you know if you look back on a lot of those kind of serial killers that were coming out in the end of the 70s 80s 90s you know you got a lot of very charming um killers like charles manson you know um and he really went out of his way to fully study all of those uh well-known serial killers and kind of make it his own and i feel like even with all the stories that i know of real life killers He's still like the scariest, even though it's fictional. You know. Yeah, yeah. No, I think I think he did a great job of letting us forget he's a serial killer, and then suddenly reminding us. 
Oh yeah. You know, he'll, he'll be all nice to Clarice, say all his nice things, or even when he's talking to the kidnapped girl's mother, and then suddenly just say something really disgusting or something really horrible. And you're like, oh yeah, yeah. he is a serial killer, isn't he? I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> like constantly, but you keep forgetting. It's not like you forgot once and you're like, okay, I'm never going to forget again. It's like, nope. Yeah. It would just always remind you. When a soldier loses a limb, they still feel the itch. When you lose your daughter, does it, does where will you feel the itch? You said something like, your daughter, did you breastfeed? Yeah, did you breastfeed? <laughs> like, oh, my God. Yeah, he, he gets oh. under your skin fast. Oh, when, yeah. oh, when in the beginning, when the guy talks about, you know, smelling her C-word, and, and then Hannah was like, <laughs> I was like, ew, you're so nasty. He's like, I don't smell anything. But he's like, I don't smell that. Yeah, but you he's know? like making her comfortable, like instantly makes her uncomfortable. You realize, oh, What did he say to like, you over oh. there? It's just like, ah, and it's like, and that's the thing too. It's weird because even like his voice, you know, Mm. Sir Anthony Hopkins voice in, in, as a serial killer, because he doesn't, he doesn't really talk like that all the time, you Mm. know? Cause when I was younger, I thought that that was just how he spoke until I saw him in other movies and was like, oh, oh, that's what he sounds like, you know? Cause he just, (laughs) yeah. Cause like he does just, he's in such control of very monotone, not only his tone, you know, but just his dialect, the way in which he delivers certain things. And um, it's like, like you were saying, he does a great job of like kind of like pulling you in, but then pushing you away at the same time because you're pulled in by it because his voice sounds sweet, you know, it almost sounds comforting. And then you're listening to the words he's saying and you're like, oh shit, this dude is fucked up. You know, like, Especially next to her voice sick. with her accent. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which also fun fact? Uh, what was what was the quote in the scene that he said to her? Oh, he's yeah, like, yeah. "Where are you from?" He told she was from the backwoods or something like that, Alabama yeah. accent. <laughs> I'll find it. Either I way, exactly I thought, it was, yeah, I thought no. she had like a Texas accent. Yeah, but he had said something about it. Oh, that was, like sounds just a quote. little different. Yeah, kind of yeah, like belittling like, her from, accent. Tell me about where you're from. Uh, hold on, I'm gonna find her. This is gonna bother me now. <laughs> but either way, um, yeah, I thought I thought that was great. And uh, in real life, Jodie Foster was taken aback by a lot of his acting, a lot of his scenes. The first time she'd ever met Sir Anthony Hopkins was on set with him dressed fully as Hannibal Lecter and being in the role. So Jodie Foster in real life was actually terrified of Sir Anthony Hopkins she during a lot of people filming this movie. Yeah. Which I think is awesome because we were scared watching it to think that like he played it that well to where even the actors around him were scared that that was really him, mm. you know. And I feel like that says something to great acting. And also Jodie Foster admits that she was kind of forced to, you know, step up her game a lot because she had to match that. You know, she had to match oh, that course. same energy. And also, you know, I thought Jodie Foster did an amazing job. Dave, what do you think about Jodie Foster as Clarice? I really liked her in this. Uh, Jodie Foster isn't... She's one of those actresses that I forget that she's a good actress. Because, you know, yeah, she's Yeah, this not, made me... Rem- uh, I was like, I was like oh, oh, this yeah. is why. She is a good actress, <laughs> yeah. isn't she? Oh, shit. Yeah. You know, because, like, you know her name and everything like that. You know, like how we talked about uh, uh, Dennis Quaid last time. Like, why is Dennis Quaid famous? What the hell? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this movie reminded me why Jodie Foster was famous. Why... You know, she she is who she is. I really liked her character. I liked what they did with her character, and I like that there's like this subtle kind of uh uh, uh it's that there's a subtle empowerment story to this narrative to the story as well with her. 
mm-hmm. not just not just with Hannibal, but like you said, the beginning where it's set up, she's by herself, but you see her training, running in the training ground where there's other groups of men training together. And she's always put in situations where she's the only woman in a group of men, but yet she has to stand her own ground. Um, one of my favorite moments with her is when the, her poli- her FBI officer kind of belittles her to the other guy saying, oh, I can't have a conversation around her. But then later on tries to tell her, oh, you know how it is. I had to say that. And she's like, no, they hear you when you talk, how you act. They they look at that. You know, and I like that her character, the movie isn't about that. In the, on, on, it's like it doesn't nail that on the, on the head, but that narrative is there. And I think she carries it really well. And you see that with her. You know, even if at the beginning, even though she's uh, a newbie, she isn't weak. No. Either. You know, she's not never weak. She grows still. She doesn't go from a weak person to a strong person. I feel like she's always strong. She just gets stronger and she just gets more experienced. And I think yeah. she really carries that throughout the film where she holds her own. Like you said, she stepped, she, she attempted to step up with, against Anthony Hopkins. And I think she did. There's so many scenes where the two of them could have been so bad if she couldn't match his, his, his level. You know, because there's a lot of time of uh, just tension scenes with the two of them. And I think part of that is why you know the, she got the recognition for it. I thought she was really well done. Yeah, definitely. Even if, you know, and I felt like she really owned every close up. Mm. You know, I feel like there's times where like I love a good close up, and I feel there's a lot of times in recent films yeah, you where do. you don't really get hat. No, I feel like we don't really get good close ups anymore to some extent. No. You know, or maybe we just don't get actors. Like, you know, I could sell it, but I felt like every moment that we had where the camera's just zoomed in, you know, we're just right there, we're right in her face. I felt like every scene, she owned it, you know, and I felt like when you saw her character in certain moments, you know, even though she might have felt like or was filmed as a victim, you know, you kind of felt that she could handle it, mm. which I thought she did, a, a Jodie Foster did a really great job of portraying, like, she can handle whatever... I think the, the 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 men in the story treat her like she's a victim, mm-hmm. but she's not a victim, and I think that's why I like it. So the movie, she's trying to tell everyone, "Hey, I am not this victim that you think I am," you know. And I think because there's many moments where they kind of put her to the side, and yeah, I love yeah. that moment where she's like, "Go on, get, get out of here, go on, get." <laughs> she's trying to get the men out <laughs> of the <laughs> out of the, the room. I'm the one charged here. <laughs> go on, get. I always love that. <laughs> Come on, y'all, get. <laughs> <laughs> she does she stands her ground well, even though she doesn't have a lot being as it's it's not just the the close-ups but also all these wide shots that have her be a head you know head short uh what, what am i trying to say yeah she, everyone's about like a head taller than her yeah, you know it's yeah. just like this like you said sea of men and then there's you know probably four foot eleven jodie foster it's probably not that short but um I think that really gave a better symbol of what she goes through every day. You know, it's like mm-hmm. how you're saying too. You know, it's not just her boss, but it was also that creepy guy who was running the uh, the psychiatric ward where yeah. Hannah Lecter was kept. He was constantly hitting on her. Yeah, you know, it's a, like <laughs> she doesn't need this. She's here to do a professional job. You know, this is she's here for work, and yet here's this fucking sleazeball that just wants to, you know. If you uh, have the right friends, you could really know this town pretty well. I don't give a shit about having this <laughs> town with you, you know. Like we're about yeah. to, I'm about to step in front of one of the worst serial killers in the world, and you think this is flattering? Like this is like a right time to do this. Uh, like man, I, like, I really felt sorry that she had to go through all this and 
pick a career where so much testosterone. Yeah, but yet, she's got to constantly able... trump that. You know, she's got to be bigger than that. I'm trying to think of like that. what other females were in the movie. The only ones were like being murdered. Yeah, but what I think as well that she was able to, even though she's that situation, she's able to kind of hold her own without lashing out. Because you know, for, yeah. for women especially, it's, if, as soon as you lash Stay out, oh, you're crazy, hyster- yeah. you're hysterical woman. Oh, you're crazy. You know, she stays professional. Where even at times she's able to throw throw her own jabs, but in a cool professional way. Like when after that scene with that guy, he's walking up to her, walking with her to this further down to the cell, and then she says something. I forget the line where she's like, "Oh, I don't need you." And she's and he's like, "Why did you tell me this before? Why did you let me walk over here with you?" And she's like, "Well, I wouldn't have a, someone to show me the tour guide like you." Because he mentions that he would oh, show so like, her. I, I would have missed the pleasure of your company. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. I would, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I bet. Yeah, yeah, that's the line. And I was like, yeah, okay, well, I like that. So like a little, a little jab back at him, but in a smart way, you know, without, right. and he can't say anything about that. And I love that. Yeah, it was awesome. And, and, he, huh? and even the even the go and get moment, you know, that's again, another character <laughs> who's more timid wouldn't be able to do that. She literally tells him, get out of here. What the hell's yeah. wrong with you? You know, but again, without getting making her look as if she's hysterical you know yeah exactly right? and that's a hard oh, and balance I found, to find i found the quote also hannibal tells her you know what you look like to me with your good bag and your cheap shoes which i love that he kept bringing up her cheap shoes <laughs> i don't know why it made me giggle every time i was like ha gotta like, <laughs> but he says you look like a rube a well scrubbed hustling rube with a little taste Good nutrition's giving you some length of bone, but you're not more than one generation from poor white trash, are you, Agent Starling? Wow. Mm. And that accent you've tried so desperately to shed, pure West Virginia. Mm. <laughs> and he keeps going. What is your father, dear? Is he a coal miner? Does he stink of the lamp? You know how quickly the boys found you. All those tedious, sticky fumblings in the back seats of cars. Oh, <laughs> god, oh my damn. god. Now, in I, real life, a lot of that was improvised. The whole West Virginia part, the accent, all of that. <laughs> so Jodie Foster in real life was terrified. Like, this man broke her down. So he in the scene down. where they show her face, like her reaction, that's a legitimate reaction. Like, she had no idea he was going to say all that. And she was super hurt by it and, like, really <laughs> offended. And, I didn't uh, sign up for this. Yeah, like, can you imagine those? Like, ouch, bro. <laughs> Didn't either hear that today or ever, yeah, you know? Because I don't think, like, anywhere in the script that he wasn't supposed to bring up her accent in real life. She, that's her real accent. Like, Oops. she's not like him putting on a voice, you know? I wonder if psychologically that's why in subsequent movies her accent isn't as strong. Because I feel like her accent isn't as strong in later films. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Anthony ever Hopkins. Since, she's like, ever since her Anthony Hopkins <laughs> in front of my voice, I've developed a new one. <laughs> like um but yeah that was that was the scene but you know she says in hindsight and she talked about it she's really grateful ultimately for that moment because she wouldn't have reacted as well and wouldn't have you know responded as uh sharply as she did had she not actually wanted to cut him in ways hmm. you know um hmm. yeah Jodie Foster is amazing in that movie who else is in this movie uh, did you guys notice who um, else? Scott Glenn? Name? Yeah, um, from from Daredevil, Stick. Yeah, Stick, man. I was, that was all I thought. I like, Stick, <laughs> my guy, he's so smooth in this. I know, but I, I like that. There's also they use him as also a narrative for that. You know, this male-dominated job type role. You know, because initially yeah. it's hinted that he literally only picks her because she's a pretty young girl to try and get Lecter to to give them information. 
you know, True. he didn't pick her because of her skills, but also the irony is that her skills is what helped him. You know, and yeah. I think she he ended goes up through, being the actual best for the job. Exactly. And he goes through his own learning process throughout the film. Mm. Yeah, that by the end I of the I felt like the, by the, the end of the film he learned some manners. Yeah, he learned. He's like, Oh wow, I gotta I can respect this woman and, and you know and it's almost like throughout the film you get this hint to that she's also trying to impress her own father. And mm-hmm. in, in in impressing him, it's almost like she's shown her father as well because he becomes like almost like father figure like ha i told you that i could do it you can listen to me now and he's like oh wow okay and he, sh- he ends with him shaking her hand looking at her as an equal and not treating her as oh a woman i treat women differently and i, I like that there wasn't actually a love interest like at first when uh hannibal was hinting towards it yeah, yeah. i was like oh please no <laughs> please no cadet sleeping with your you know yeah, boss, superior future boss like no. no that's gonna kill me and then it didn't happen i was like yes yes all right, I like all right, that. we're <laughs> good. Yeah, but um, no, I really, I think Scott Glenn did a great job of just like you know being just asshole enough. Mm. You know, it's just enough. I appreciated it. Yeah. And uh, Ted Levine has Buffalo Bill. Uh, Is it Levine? Ted Levine. I don't know, but he was awesome. Yeah. Awesomely like, creepy. Enough, I will honestly, I didn't know he could act that well. Like, Seriously, you see him in other movies as that guy. But that's the thing. I feel like I've never seen him like as a lead in anything. No, he's, he's always, always just like that guy, some douchebag cop or something. Yeah, I'm like, but you did murderers so well, like, oh, like every why time he was on do screen, that kind of thing anymore. I was I always like creeped him out. As a bad guy, <laughs> like I really liked him as a villain. Like I, I felt like he killed it. Like, and he was only. Like, I feel like he wasn't on screen more than 10, 15 minutes of the whole film. No. And he owned every moment. Especially know? that dance scene. <laughs> but that's the thing. That's the crazy thing, too, that I realized in watching this movie. That was all I remembered. Yeah. I, like, only remember that scene. I feel like everybody remembers that scene. Everybody parodies that scene. When you talk about the Silence of the Lambs, you know, you get the interrogation scene, uh, the, the reveal scene with the guy in the robe or lady in the robe. Uh, and then, you know, the... the jizz on jody scene and that's yeah. it. <laughs> just just uh stuff that, it in you, know, the face. you don't remember the in-betweens it was just lotion it was it was, it was yeah. a big commercial for lotion that's all this was <laughs> funny enough i never actually saw it until watching it this time because i realized every time that i saw it it was always on like tv oh yeah of course uh, I so they, that out. they edit that part out so like you only hear him say things and like hiss and stuff and act crazy but you never see anything get thrown at her. You just hear him like, I think they just repeat the scene twice uh, on <laughs> cable. But uh, this time watching it, like even though I had heard about it, watching it was still very like, violating. I was like, oh, come on. Like I felt like it happened to me. And then yeah. it was the worst because my like TV shut off and I had to turn it back on and I ended up uh, watching the scene again. I- twice. <laughs> so I was like double violated. It was terrible. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Dave, what do you think? Ted Levin. I th- yeah, I thought he was Buffalo really great. Bill, I th- I believed his character to be this this insane, you know, a uh, uh, serial killer. But also at the same time, I think we spoke about this briefly before. The moment, you know, th- that moment where we see him kidnap the girl with the whole the the when he's trying, he has pretending his arm is broken with the couch. I was like, ah, oh, damn it! I would help. I wouldn't have gotten into I the would. car, but I would have helped. God damn it! You know, like yeah, exactly. he sold me. He sold me from that moment. You know, when he kidnaps the gun. And even when you see moments of him in the house and he's trying to talk to the girl, the way he talks to the girl is like, it 
it brushes his hair after it finishes dinner. It like the way he's talking like the that, oh, on it puts the, the lotion on. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, you're so creepy. Like, you know, I don't get creeped it out easily. It puts the lotion on the skin. <laughs> it puts <laughs> the lotion on. And he gets on. angry and he, he starts hitting his head. Voice, it puts the lotion in the basket. <laughs> Raven's actually that the I voice. Can do. See, it's actually <laughs> it's easier for me to speak in that dialect. Right put the lotion in the basket. Put the lotion in the basket. It puts the lotion on its skin. Or else it gets the hose again. Or <laughs> <laughs> it gets the hose again. I love that. And he, I, I, I thought oh. it was really, really, really well done. And even his first meeting with, with Jody's character. Let's talk about that scene, by the way. That kind of that that they threw us off. They threw me off. The 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 that switch. editing was so good with the house. Yeah, oh. yeah, and that's the thing too. This movie deserved. I will say it did deserve the nominee for editing because that moment was great. No, I know Mike. That was one of your favorite moments. Yeah, because I still what I've seen this movie just a handful of times. But like I said, you go back to an old movie, you think you've seen it all, and it fools me every time because I'm like, oh yeah, no, mm-hmm. they got him. It's just going to be a raid, yeah. and he's going to be hiding, then they leave, and it's just, damn, maybe Jodie Foster would show up. Nope. Happening mm-hmm. all at the same time. I did same never exactly. see it coming. It, it threw me. I was like, damn. I literally shouted, damn. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, same. Is... I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> it was I done I feel really like I don't well. get that, that kind of like good plot twist other than TV, man. Especially old good. movies like that. Especially a movie that's yeah. over 20 years old. You know, usually They usually don't get me. Because like, oh, I was like, oh, old. they saved the day. The movie is good. Whatever. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, this movie's fucking good. Wow. <laughs> like, I feel like that's when it took a change from like, this movie's really good to like, no, this shit is amazing. Like, this is good for you. Going back to the fact that we talk about, you know, when film characters do stupid things, even the even the kidnapped girl, I never felt that she was an idiot. Like, never. even her, her attempt at trying to escape with the, trying to lure the dog. I was like, yeah. yeah. That's a smart I was like, thing. You steal that dog. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> like no one like, ever comes might across die, like you idiot. But like I respect it. Mm. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. At least you tried. At least you tried. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You, you'll do anything you can when you're just stuck in a well. You have nowhere to go. You have no other options. Nothing else around you, but using just a yeah. string, a pail, and a bone. Man, I probably couldn't even get that little piece of bone tied. To that stream. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not just this is it for me. I'm dead. I'm for done. Real, sit sit down me. and crawl in the ball. I'm done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's the thing too, you know, like some of the scenes are just so intense and so so good. Like even the um, night vision scene, you know, like when she finally yeah. caught yeah. Buffalo Bill. I was I was like legitimately scared. Oh, I was yeah. watching the screen just in silence, like, oh, oh, you know, like trying not yeah. to make noise. I'm like Oh shit, Clarice, get out of there! He gonna kill you. No, you I know, noticed. But, um, I noticed a movie mistake in that scene there. What? Um, the the you see night vision, but then when he's like pointed the gun at the back of her head, you see his shadow on her back. Night vision wouldn't portray a shadow because there's no light. Shut up, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> it was just fake True. night vision. They just tinted it green. I would have <laughs> noticed saying. that. I've never used night vision. Majority of other people have never saying, used night vision. There is the room is completely dark. How do you get a shadow? I know. <laughs> How does it? True, they should have done all ambient light. You're right. Whatever. But whatever. Way. It's just Still a little thing scene. I know. It's that's a filmmaker. Only for people that make movies would notice that stuff though. I mean, so. it only yeah. won Best Picture, Davis, so I guess you're gonna take that trophy away from them like, nah, that was flawed. <laughs> found it. Give it back. Nope, found it. Movies trash. <laughs> uh, yeah, so while we're on scenes, Dave, what were some of your favorite scenes? 
or most standout scenes to you? Um, I, I feel like, I think my most standout scenes are the fact that the scenes that made them seem as more graphic than they actually were. Because this movie is not a very graphic film, but it, it makes your brain think it is. You know, I think because we cut away, or the only, the most graphic things we see are like cadavers, right? After the fact. We don't see people getting killed, but we see the dead bodies. And we see, oh, that the scenes where we see like the women's skin hanging on the clothing racks. Oh, creeps me out yeah. all the time. But I, I think his escape scene, though. I think Hannibal's escape scene is probably one of my favorite scenes just because it's brought together so well. And then when he gets up and then the skin mask, I'm like, oh my God. You did that. And of course, all the all the interview scenes as well, I think they're really well done. But yeah, I think the film, it, yeah. it's done really well. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, that scene was also one of my favorite scenes, the escape scene. Because it's, it's so conflicting as an audience member because you're watching this scene and you really want him to escape you do you know <laughs> this known cannibalistic serial killer it's not like we don't know at this point what he's capable of we fully know and we're like oh well y'all fucked up you gotta go and then when he actually starts killing them you're like all right i didn't i didn't think you're we gonna do all that man that's <laughs> that's a bit much you know and like just every part of it you know the art direction of just i love the way that that cell was set up kind of in the middle of everything, you know? I love yeah. just yeah, the yeah, golds yeah. And, and the color palettes, him in the white, you know? And then the moment of bashing, we don't see it, but just the blood splatters, the sound, you know, the sound in that scene is so brutal. You know, Sir Anthony Hopkins' face while he's pounding this guy out, you know, it was just kind of like, oh. That took me and out of it, watching, too. It's, 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 yeah. it's like it's breathing. He's so just up and down like he's done this so many times he's like oh oh finally i get to do this again the one thing i love in life is this just beating someone's head in you're like oh man like i don't want to see someone enjoy this but he makes it so subtle where it's like yep this is my shit and then he's in all white so the red just oh yeah yeah that contrast there is perfect crazy and it's so it's like beautiful but like really fucked up and like you know, you're watching and you're like, yes, oh, no, oh, this is terrible mm. and amazing. God damn it. You know, you don't know how to feel. And it's like, mm. and the cinematography, you know, in that moment, just that I love the moment of Anthony Hopkins kind of standing over and and winning the scene, you know, and mm. basically towering over his, his victim. Guys on the floor, presumably dead. We're not really sure. Anthony Hopkins is just sitting there kind of basking in you know the the glory that is yeah. the murder of this guy and the cinematography the scene you know it starts from a medium shot you know and you're looking at both anthony hopkins and the guy on the ground and the camera slowly pans up to a bird's eye view mm. where you're just standing over it and you're seeing kind of the triumph and i love that moment uh, i thought that was beautifully done and even even the reveal of what he did to the guy Oh, in yeah. such a short amount of time, uh, yeah. What what a what a beautiful sculpture. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's the worst because you look at you like this is a beautiful. Like, how do you piece, get that lighting but... so perfectly down? You know. Yeah, how do you get him up there? Like the way he strung him up was just it was. I think it tells you done, it's not just it's but, not just uh, he wasn't just escaping. He wanted to escape and also leave a message. Yeah, you yeah. know, and it's the worst because it's like in ways it's a beautiful piece of art, but also like really fucked up and, and that's one of the moments where it reminds you that 
he is a serial killer. He is yeah. broken, <laughs> you know, like. And that's what I love is that like, the mo- it's the movie's way of being like, oh, remember what we told you about in the beginning when we told you about this guy at the jail? <laughs> yeah. You couldn't get too close and all that other stuff. Yeah, same dude. Yeah. We're <laughs> kidding about this. This is what <laughs> yeah, he does. He, he doesn't yeah. have to do it all the time for you to believe it. But when you see yeah. it, you'll never question it again. And yeah, you instantly uh, go from nuts. you instantly go from yeah, I hope you escape to damn, he escaped. Yeah. Shit. Yeah, you're like, shit <laughs> At the end of the day, you were wrong to trust him. <laughs> exactly, like, and that's like kind of what the movie's else. about too. Like wow, and that's one of the themes of the movie too. Is you Got know us. like don't get too comfortable, you know, because we made the same mistake that the police officers did, and we would have. You know, he's yep. a good guy. Yeah, he, he can't possibly <laughs> you know? eat my face, can he? I mean, he wouldn't do something no. like this that. Guy, he wouldn't do something guy. like that, would you, Hannibal? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, what are you eating? What's that? What's that? Is that is that, is that someone's face? face? That's an eating <laughs> face. Is that a mouth? What is that? <laughs> uh, yeah, loved it. Any other scenes that you guys love? Uh, I think for me, the very end scene. I think it's a brilliant scene. After talking on the phone to Clarice, just let her know that I'm out here. But don't follow me. But I'm just letting you know that yeah. I'm here. Yeah. But don't follow so me. But don't worry. I'm afraid that you. you maybe run into me one day. Maybe. Yeah. But don't worry. I'm not coming for you. Yeah. Just don't come for me. Miss your friend. Yeah. Hang but out then, soon. And then he hangs <laughs> up. In, in, it seems somewhere either he could be in an African coast or Caribbean somewhere. I'm not sure. It's left ambiguous. But with his wig and his nice clothes, following the the the, the, the warden. Who had kind of? I think yeah. he was seeking yeah. like the he was seeking safety. I was like, he was Damn. like, he was like a shark, just kind of yeah. just swimming slowly behind, blending right in with everything yeah. else. He's just, yeah, he's it's like him hunting, so subtly. And it's the worst because you watch that scene and you're like, yeah, you get him. And you know? it's one of it's one of the situations where when you first see him there, you're thinking, oh, he escaped and he went to some tropical island somewhere to relax. No. Nope. He escaped to keep doing what he does best. Back on the job. Yeah. He's never not working. <laughs> Back like I never left. This guy never but retires. Like you said, but like you said, you're like, yeah, kill that guy. <laughs> yeah. Like... <laughs> so the worst thing about it is that you're like, yeah, go for it. Fuck yeah. What yeah. else would you do? You know, fuck retirement. Yeah. Uh, yeah but does, I, I... Doesn't matter how many people he kills on the way. Because again, it's mentioned that when he escaped, he killed some random tourists to take those clothes off of him. So it's not like he's only killing people who deserve it. No, he's he's, just he's indiscriminate with who he kills. He is yeah. a shark in a lot of ways, <laughs> yeah. you know. Like Mike said, he he is a shark. Um, yeah, but uh, did you guys have any nitpicks? I did, but I've All told right. you guys before. My biggest nitpick and uh, the intro, is the lighting, and opening the no, the <laughs> opening credits. No, the opening credits. The font used for the credits. Hated it. Like <laughs> wow. a fucking. <laughs> Hated it so badly, and I still hate it. Like I was just playing that it right is now. That's the very definition of a nitpick. Because it's so obnoxious, but it's such an ugly font too. It's I like, don't like the French day. Black, black with like a white outline. It's ugly. I'm just saying, that unless they can give me a reason. You know, you paid so much attention in these with everything else. You're gonna give me a black font with white outline, bam, like front and center. Like unless yeah. it's supposed, unless it's supposed to be jarring, then okay, it worked. They did their job. They got it right. It's not a nitpick if it's supposed to be jarring. But I was very much aware of it, and it's, that's how the movie started me up. And I don't know, maybe it's because also I have a history in graphic design, so like oh. things like that bother me. But yes, that was my nitpick. Was that? All right, Mike. Any nitpicks? 
No, it was a perfect film. <laughs> yeah, I I agree, and I and I also uh, yeah no I just I don't I mean that so sarcastic. There's no nitpicks. It's it's just really I can't uh, <laughs> it's 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 hard to think. I think it moved well. Acting was great. Yeah. Directing, cinematography, bam 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 hits all the marks. Yeah, I I agree. Um, yeah, on that note. Yeah, I think that's it, guys. <laughs> yeah, we don't. Yeah, we don't, oh, don't want to mention. We don't want to mention that they are other films of the franchise because they suck for the most part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you don't need to. Really <laughs> Come on, Tim. Like we have what, a prequel. Which was which one was the prequel? Red Dragon, right? No, I haven't seen that. I don't plan Red to see Dragon it. Red Dragon is a prequel. Yeah. Yeah. That was done by the director of Rush Hour. Yeah. <laughs> also, just random fun fact while we're on it. Uh, did and Martha Stewart was apparently dating Sir Anthony Hopkins uh, when this movie <laughs> was being filmed. And she actually left him because she was unable to avoid associating him yeah. with the character of Hannibal Lecter. We are all Martha like, Stewart. Yeah. Your own <laughs> girlfriend was like, fuck that. <laughs> you're, you're doing too good a job. Yeah, but I feel like, you know, that just goes to show how great of a performance we got, how great of a movie it was. Uh, one of the only things I will say in closing that I realized in watching this movie again is I never understood uh, the reason for the title, The Silence of the Lambs. And uh, there's a whole scene that took place, mm-hmm. you know, where Clarice and Hannibal are talking and he makes her tell him a story about her childhood. And she talks about the most messed up moment in her life was when there were lambs being slaughtered on the property where she was living, which uh, her family owned. And she tried to save one of the lambs and she ran away, didn't get far, couldn't save the lamb, land ended up dying anyway, but she'll never forget the sound of the screams in the night. And Hannibal basically said to her, you know, do you think that doing this will help silence the lambs? And she says she doesn't know, but she has to try basically. And the whole movie is about her trying to silence the lambs and trying to, you know, prove to herself that she can save the day and that she can do more. And I feel like in terms of just the title and the way it worked through the story, great film. Mike, do you have anything to say in closing? No, like I said, it's, I just hope that these, uh, you know, podcasts enough influence enough to see movies that are, older that you might have missed yeah this is definitely one of those and it holds up it's not one of those old movies that oh it's because you know you get some older movies that are only good within context of their time where it's like okay you got to mm-hmm. think about when it came out and what was going on in the world and blah 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 and in that context that movie is good but i think in whatever context the films this film still holds up today yeah. you don't need to and, and especially today where it's crazy because you know there's such a big movement for transgender transgender rights people that are uh, trans identifying this movie actually isn't uh, inappropriate in that way which is crazy because I didn't realize that looking back because I felt like it added to transphobia when we were younger mm-hmm. but realizing now and watching the movie it was never in any way transphobic like they actually say a line in the movie mm-hmm. that uh, the character of Buffalo Bill actually isn't trans he thinks that he's trans because he doesn't like who he is but that doesn't make him trans. Yeah. And I love that. Like, you know, and I feel like for reasons like that, the movie still stands. You know, it's yeah. a big, right now, it's a big movement for 
you know, uh, women's equality and equal rights and women in the workplace, you know, it's a, it's a huge movement right now, whether it be uh, for the um, equal treatment of women and also the equal treatment of people that are trans or just anything like that. I think, you know, the movie's still super relevant and not inappropriate and eerie like some movies that we've gone back to from the 90s. Yeah. You know, um, but I think yeah, there's you know, no moment. I feel like there's no moment where you're like, ooh, you can't do that. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. Ace Ventura. It's <laughs> not that kind of film. <laughs> where we were like, ooh, yeah. you can't, you can't say that. Yeah. Um, you know, there was no moment like that, yeah. you know, and, and like you said earlier, Dave, there was no moment that takes you out of the story and out of the journey. So, yeah. um, a great film overall. And uh, that's all I got to say. I, I think this movie fully deserved every award that it got in terms of um, every Oscar, every award, every nominee. 100%. I think that um, there aren't many movies that I agree with the Academy on. And this movie, I will say, good job. And on that note, we're going to wrap it up. Uh, if you guys haven't yet, check out our other podcasts. We got The Nerdy Report every week. And we also have Otaku's Lounge, which is our anime podcast. You guys got to check that out. It's really cool. Follow us at The Nerdy Bunch on all social media. And uh, next week, we're going to be doing Homeward Bound, which we're really excited for. So Incredible if you have a chance, journey. check that out. And uh, maybe you could be, you know, go through this process of review with us. Uh, thank you, Dave. Thank you. And thank you, Rocket Mike. Thank you, Raven. And until next time, thank you, folks. And as always, Dave. Keep it nerdy. Peace.